This coming Monday, I am leaving and I am flying to South Korea. And for those of you that know me really well, and for those of you that know me slightly well or partially, you know that I spent my premier young adult life there. And I have a lot of wonderful memories, like a second home for me. And I try to go back as often as possible, at least once a year, so that I can be a part of life with my friends that are unable to come here for various reasons. A lot of people have friends in the States, you know, a lot of people know people in the States, but people don't come here as often as they probably would like to because, you know, they have friends in various states and America's a quite a large place. So it's not easy to bounce around and visit all of your friends in various states. So it's much easier for me to go back there. So I will be leaving on Monday. And a lot of people ask me, you know, April, is it is it odd there to go? Like when you first went, wasn't it strange to see like everything non-English and like, how did you adjust? Did you feel like you were an outsider and that you're out of place? And I think those are actually quite excellent questions because yes, the answer is yes. When I first got there, I felt a little jarred, right? Because here everything is like in English. And if English is not your first language and, you, and you're here in the US, it can be daunting to look at everything in English and feel like it's not there for you. And maybe, you, maybe you've been here your whole life so you don't really understand that concept, but when you've lived abroad or you've moved abroad and everything is written in a different language and there's nothing that like speaks to your mother tongue, it feels strange. It feels like, oh, am I welcome here? And people that have lived abroad, like in Italy or in other places, if you've lived there long enough, you kind of get like insider expat information that there's certain places that you're not welcome at. That's just kind of like the life of living in certain countries is that there are, it's like, if you know, you know, there are places where it's like, they may not have like specific signage that says, Foreigners not allowed, but it's a known fact, right? It's known that foreigners are not really welcome here. And this is really for the people of this country who speak this language, who look. So yes, it is like feeling like an outsider. No matter how great I could speak Korean, I'm an outsider. No matter how much I could blend in with the culture in various ways, I'm still an outsider. And the language, even if I speak the language, language is a big part of being an outsider. And there's this special feeling. And those of you that have lived abroad or those of you that are here, but English is not your mother tongue, there's a special feeling like when you go abroad and you see something in like the language, like for example, Korean, and you see something in Chinese and then you see it in English, like over a store and you're like, there's like a special feeling in your heart. Like, I'm welcome here. This place is for me and I'm safe, right? Like my first time going abroad, when I saw a Domino's, I was like, America, right? Like I felt like this is me or a subway. I was like, even I, I don't like subway, but I was like, I'm going to go there just because it reminds me of something. It's speaking my language. And so that language that includes you is important. And this is what we're talking about today. The God for everyone, not just a specific people, but a God for everyone. Psalm 65, 
I like to call it the Psalm of Emmanuel. God and God with us. God, who is God, but a God who lives and dwells among all people. And it's interesting. And just with that thought, I just want to read it with you. And I want to do a little bit of a deep dive, looking through each section of Psalm 65 to see how God is with us. So starting Psalm 65, verse 1. What mighty praise, O God, belongs to you in Zion. We fulfill our vows to you, for you answer all our prayers. All of us must come to you. Though we are overwhelmed by our sins, you forgive them all. What joy for those who choose you choose to bring near, those who live in your holy courts. What festivities await us inside your holy temple. Next verse. You faithfully answer our prayers with awesome deeds. O God, our Savior. Interesting choice of language. We'll come back to that. You are the hope of everyone on earth, even those who sail on distant seas. You formed the mountains by your power and armed yourself with mighty strength. You quieted the raging oceans with their pounding waves and silenced the shouting of the nations. Those who live at the ends of the earth stand in awe of your wonders. From where the sun rises to where it sets, you inspire shouts of joy. You take care of the earth and water it, making it rich and fertile. The river of God has plenty of water. It provides a bountiful harvest of grain for you have ordered it so. You drench the plowed ground with rain, melting the clods and leveling the ridges. You soften the earth with showers and bless its abundant crops. You crown the year with bountiful harvest. Even the hard pathways overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the wilderness become a lush pasture and the hillsides blossom with joy. The meadows are clothed with flocks of sheep and the valleys are, ex- are carpeted with grain. They all shout and sing for joy. Psalm 65 is a psalm that is written for the harvest time, a Thanksgiving period, maybe for a festival to celebrate a harvest or a Thanksgiving. But the overarching theme is Emmanuel, God with the faithful, the faithless, and all of the earth. And today, we're going to explore, and I hope that you kept that question in mind, how is God with me? What is he doing in my life? It's interesting that this is the theme, because if you, can, if you can remember, David is part of a culture where God is a God for a special chosen people, and that is his people, right? The language is their language. The faith is their faith. And the people that come to the temple are people that look and speak like them. It is for them, right? God is for them. And so for David to speak out and say God is for everyone, 
He must have believed, he must have foreseen messianically that there would be a God, his God, the God that made and formed the mountains would be for even somebody on the distant seas. Even someone who doesn't look like him, who doesn't speak like him, who doesn't do the same things that he does. And as we approach this season of gratitude and as we come closer to the Advent season, I want to, us to keep in mind how God is with us throughout the year and how God is with us now. So let's start with the faithful first. That's Psalm 65, one through four. Psalm 65, one through four. This is David speaking to us sitting in the congregation today. What mighty praise, O God, belongs to you in Zion. We fulfill our vows to you, for you answer all our prayers, and all of us must come to you. Though we are overwhelmed by our sins, we, you forgive them all. So, what Joy for those who choose, you choose to bring near, those who live in your holy courts, what festivities await us inside your holy temple. So let's explore what God is bringing and what we bring, or what we bring and what God brings, vice versa. So we bring, today you came, hopefully, with mighty praise and awe, right? This is what David says that we, the faithful, bring to God, mighty praise and awe. We come to fulfill our vows. Is there a vow that you made to God today? Is there a vow that you made to God this week? Did you say, God, I'm going to pray more often. I'm going to praise more often. Hopefully not. I'm going to complain more often, but I'm going to, what are the vows that you said to God? That's what we are bringing to God. We bring our mighty praise and our awe, two separate things, by the way, and the fulfillment of our vows. We bring ourselves, right? The scripture says, do not neglect the coming together. We bring ourselves. And that can mean more than just bringing your person. That can also mean bringing your attention and bringing your heart, right? It's deeper than just being like, I have arrived and I am closed. It is deeper than that, right? It's us bringing who we are to God. Why? Because we bring our inability to get out of sin. David says, we are overwhelmed by our sin. So we come with this vulnerability. We come knowing that we cannot overcome the sins that we are carrying. That's what we bring. And what does God bring? What does God answer? God brings answered prayers, forgiveness, joy, and a party, a good time, festivities. This is what God answers when he sees what we are bringing or he brings it first. This is David's message to us. This is what God brings. Now, notice the difference between mighty praise and awe. Mighty praise is what we just took part in, right? The singing the lifting up our hands, the acknowledging that praise is the password to God, to the kingdom, is acknowledging what God has done. But then what is awe? 
awe is standing in God's presence in silence and realizing that we are not moving God, but God is moving us. God is bigger than us and our will cannot stand in the presence of God, but we need to be moved by God to do what he wants us to do. So we stand in awe. We don't just speak our prayers. We don't just say, God, this is what I want, blah, 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 blah. Bye. Thank you. Amen. We stand in awe and we listen. We listen. We listen to what God wants to say to us. We sit and meditate on the scriptures or on praise. And we, we meditate on the humongous God that we serve and we stand in awe of his presence. This is the recipe for being close to God. This is David's first message to the church first. And then he speaks to the rest. But I want, before we get there, I want to point out something really interesting. There is a fulfillment of vows. But even though David says that we fulfill our vows to God, messianically, he's speaking that throughout all of this, God is fulfilling vows to us. Notice Psalm 40, 7 through 8. Psalm 47 through 8, David speaking messianically of Jesus, he says, Then I said, Look, I have come. I am here with you today. As it is written about me in the scriptures, I take joy in doing your will, my God, for your instructions are written on my heart. This is not only God coming, Jesus coming, Emmanuel with us to fulfill his vows, but this is him showing us what it means to stand in awe. We arrive, we stand in God's presence, and we say, I take joy in doing your will, O God, for your instructions are written in my heart. I'm sure a lot of you can quote many scriptures that kind of take bits and pieces off of what David just said about Jesus here. But that's not the end. Because David now shifts his focus and speaks to the faithless. He speaks to the faithless. Psalm 65, 5 through 8. You faithfully answer our prayers with awesome deeds. Some versions say awesome and righteous deeds. We'll come back to that. Oh God, our Savior. Interesting. He shifts and calls God a Savior. You are the hope of the church. No, what does it say? You are the hope of everyone on earth, even those who sail on distant seas. Next verse, you formed the mountains by your power and armed yourself with mighty strength. You quieted the raging oceans with their pounding waves and silenced the shouting of the nations. Those who live at the ends of the earth stand in awe of your wonders. From where the sun rises to where it sets, from where it rises to where it sets, you inspire shouts of joy. Tell me, who is this speaking to? This is God with us and with the earth. So 
we need to answer several questions because there's a lot of questions here. First one is, what is God answering? What is God answering? The second question is, what are the awesome deeds or righteous deeds he's answering with? And how else is he with his people? The people of the earth. So first one, what are what is God answering? God is answering us. He's answering the earth, the sinful humanity, the broken world. That is what he's answering. He sees us and then he answers with what? Awesome and righteous deeds. So that's the second question. What are the awesome deeds? Well, you know, as we approach this season, we practice gratitude for what Jesus is doing in our lives, but what he did as a baby, right? The awesome deeds, he's fulfilling his vow by coming to the earth, being a babe, living a righteous life, and then dying on the cross. Awesome and righteous deeds. How do we know this? Because David references him as God, our Savior, our Savior. He reframes God as the Savior, immediately highlighting the former description of awesome and righteous deeds. The third question, how else is he with people? The answer is in the verse. He is the hope for everyone to the farthest reaches of the earth. And he's identified by his creative power. He's the God who formed the mountains, the God who did all of these things. Why does it say that? Because let me tell you, there are many gods in this world, but there's only one God who can create something out of nothing. There are many gods and we lift them up all of the time. There are many idols that we worship and we come to, but David is identifying this God and said, This is God. And this isn't a person who became God. This isn't a son who then was, you know, promoted to Godhead. This is Emmanuel, God, God with us. God, God with us. Both of those are important. He is God. How? Because of what he's done, who he is, and he is God with us. We could stop there. We could just end there and say, God, you have fulfilled your vows. You've come and you speak to us as the faithful and then you speak to the world, right? By the farthest reaches, those of us that are suffering with crippling depression, anxiety, Jesus, God with us, the rest of the world. However, it doesn't stop there. Because Psalm 9 through 13 speaks to the complete fulfillment of God's vows. You take care of the earth and water it, making it rich and fertile. The river of God has plenty of water. It provides a bountiful harvest of grain, for you have ordered it so. You drench the plowed ground with rain, melting the clods and leveling the ridges. You soften the earth with showers and bless it with abundant crops. You crown the year with a bountiful harvest. Even the hard pathways overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the wilderness become a lush pasture and the hillsides blossom with joy. 
The meadows are clothed with flocks of sheep and the valleys are carpeted with grain. They all shout and sing for joy. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. David describes him completing his vows by doing something very special. Taking care of our mundane, small, practical needs. What we have failed to do, nurture our earth, care for our people, love the environment that he put us in, God continues to water and work with while we ruin it. God is still continuing to complete his vows. We as Christians, we often celebrate the birth. We often celebrate the cross. But do we celebrate the every details that God is in our lives. In the river of God, there is plenty of water for you and for me. And in our lives, he is tending the soil. He is making the hard pathways lush for you and for me. And he is completing his vows day by day to you, to me. God is with us, not just as a baby and not just as a savior, but as creator and caretaker of our everyday lives. He is the hope for everyone. From the farthest oceans to those that sail on the seas, from where the sun rises to where the sun sets. You, no matter what language you speak, no matter what you look like, you are welcome all people because he created you and he's redeeming you. I know this because on the cross, Three languages were written. Three. Not just the language of the church, but the language of the world. The language of all people at that time was there because Jesus belongs to them, to you. He is your Emmanuel. So my question is, how has God been with you? 